My fellow nerds, welcome to the round table. I am Antonio Padilla, and I am your Arthur. Joining me as always is my co-host Cliff Miller, and he is my Lancelot. Say hello, Clifford. What's going on, everybody? All right, nerds, welcome to the round table. Welcome back. Uh, we were missing in action last week. Uh, some stuff came up at the last minute and uh, prevented us from doing the show, but we are back. Uh, yeah, so uh, now that we got that out of the way, uh, we've got a pretty big episode today. It's a real special one. Um, Cliff, uh, I kind of want to go ahead and just lead with the Spider-Man discussion because uh, I feel like that's something we should. Uh, we've been we've kind of been holding back on it for a while, and I just want to get it out there. So let's let's lead with that. Um, I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one because uh, I really only have a few things to to say about it. Uh, I'm sure you've got more, so just just go ahead, run with it. Yeah, so let's start off with um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, guys, just to give you a future update, um, if you guys haven't seen the movie, there are some spoilers that are going to be involved in this, and then we're going to talk. We're going to hit on a couple of things that are really kind of fun about the topic, right? So uh, let's start it off, right? So we have Tom Holland, who, if you guys have watched uh, Civil War, you guys have openly seen him uh, jumping around, kind of doing his thing, uh, still on Captain America's shield, as well in... Uh, in uh, the Civil War, so it was definitely really cool to see. And then uh, this movie kind of tied in with that movie at the same token. Like, we got to see kind of some of the behind the scenes. We had to see extra parts of what was going on in the Civil War, and then we saw things that happened afterwards. Yeah, so that was pretty dope. We got I like to see that. Build up. Yeah, it was, well, what I really loved about it was the fact that um, we got to see kind of what happened after Avengers, the Avengers Tower got destroyed. Michael Keaton, you know, obviously he was – you know, he was playing Falcon, uh, uh, Vulture. He, uh, you know, him and his company found, like, alien weapons, and they decided that they were going to take over, and uh, that's how they kind of made their money, and they kind of became, like, this big gang, which was really cool to see, and then we got to see, like, you know, how everything kind of evolved from that point on. So it was definitely a lot of fun yeah, yeah, to yeah, see. I what I, cool. You know what I, I thought was really cool was the fact that we got to see Batman slash Beetlejuice take on Vulture. <laughs> like, that's what yeah, made it awesome to me, was just seeing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not even going to front, like, when they, when they first announced uh, Michael Keaton was playing the Vulture, I was like, oh, my God, that's, like, oh, that's going to be so great. Because, I mean, that dude, you know, I don't think I have to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, Michael Keaton is a hell of an actor. I mean, and that's not even just coming from the Batman fanboy in me. Like, like you said, you mentioned Beetlejuice. That's one of the all-time great comedic performances of all time. And then, um, you know, he's Oscar-nominated. Uh, he's just a great actor. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they, when they said he was going to be the Vulture, I was super excited. And he, he is one of my, uh, one of my standout uh, elements of the film. So, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Keaton, thumbs up you know, all the way. What made it awesome, too, was the fact that Michael Keaton didn't um... – he didn't overshadow, like, the movie. Like, you knew the movie was about Vulture. You kind of understood, like, he was the bad guy. But it's not like he went out of his way to purposely be like, hey, look at me, I'm the, star, I'm the biggest star of this movie. It was literally just like, he goes, hey, man, I'm a role player, and I just kind of enjoy being in this movie. I, it, he legit looked like he enjoyed having the role of Vulture. Like, that's what I think really kind of stood out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, straight up. It looked like he was having fun. And it looked like he he genuinely enjoyed being involved, and that's always a good thing. So, 
Yeah, man, I agree. I agree. You know, another cool thing, too, uh, we did see, it was kind of cool to see uh, Robert Downey Jr. in a kind of a different role of um, of the Marvel Universe. Instead of just being like, hey, I'm going to be, I'm Iron Man, I'm the playboy philanthropist that everybody really likes to see. He was more of like the mentor slash father role to Peter Parker without actually having to say it until like the very end when he's just like, yeah, I need that father role, too. He literally pushed Spider-Man to reach a new level in Tony Stark fashion, which was really cool to see. It was definitely, like, very much appreciated to see that he, even though Peter was trying to get his acceptance the whole time, he eventually found out that he didn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was... Yeah, you're right. It, it, uh, I remember people were complaining about, like, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, like, oh, this is just going to be, you know, Iron Man 4 or whatever people were saying. And, um, yeah, it was surprising that his role wasn't as big as everybody was, was thought it was going to be, like, screen, screen time-wise, but it, he still managed to have a purpose. Like, they didn't just stick him in there to stick him in there, you know what I mean? Like, he served a purpose, and it, it was a story purpose, and you felt it, and it was... Yeah, it was not gratuitous, and uh, it was really well done. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that as well. Yeah, no, it was great, too, and, like, all the subtle hints in there. You know, we, we had name drops of Scorpion without actually having be Scorpion yeah, 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 in, in, involved in the movie. That was awesome. Uh, and you saw him twice, and both times it was just, like, little pickups. It's not like he was in there huge. Uh, one of the other great things about the movie, too, um, and I kind of thought this was kind of a good shout-out, too, uh, was seeing um, – Seeing, like, the diversity in the movie, but I kind of, and this is kind of goes both ways, right? So it was great to see diversity in the movie, but I felt like the diversity was a double-edged sword, right? So certain characters weren't resembled to how we remember seeing those characters, and I get that we're in a different time where things kind of change over and over and over again. But what we ended up finding out was the, um, like, Flash, right? Like, I always imagine Flash is kind of like the big jock kind of dude who talks a lot of trash. Mm-hmm. And although mm-hmm. we got that person who talks a lot of trash, it wasn't necessarily the same Flash. Yeah, and he didn't he have, like, the like same that. He style. wasn't physically intimidating the way Flash traditionally is. Yeah, right. um, no, actually, here's the, here's the thing. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and drop my thoughts on it because, like I said, I don't have a whole lot to say. So I'm just going to – because you – you're bringing up Flash and everything, and I, I see where you're going with this, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and jump in here and just. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, did I enjoy the movie? Yes, I enjoyed it very much. Is it a well-made movie? Of course it is. Um, but I'm gonna say something, and it's probably gonna be controversial, but I don't care. Because <laughs> um, you're talking about Flash, and and and. What I'm about to say, let me preface this as saying like. Uh, I just mean this like as an adaptation of something that I grew up with, this version is so far removed from everything that I associate with the Spider-Man brand that to me, I just, overall, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. You know, like I love Tom Holland. I love Michael Keaton. Robert Downey Jr. delivered as always. But the problem is just that, like I said, it's just so far removed from what I grew up with that I, 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 the fanboy in me just cannot give it a pass. Like, I'm with you. I feel you on Flash. That's nothing against Tony Revolori. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Because um, he's a great actor. I've seen him in a dozen other things. I love him. But Flash Thompson was kind of, kind of disappointing. 
And it kind of perplexes me the way certain fans are like, oh, well, yeah, they updated it and that's, you know, that's fine. It's like, but you're the same people who uh, bitched and complained about Topher Grace being Eddie Brock Venom in Spider-Man 3. Like, that's literally the exact same thing that they did here in this movie. But for some reason, you're okay with it being Flash Thompson, but you were upset about it being Venom, even though the symbiote could have made him larger, you know, to make up for the size difference. But whatever, whatever. Maybe that's just me being too logical. Um, And then I'm going to bring this up again. Uh, Cliff already called spoiler alert, but I'm going to do it again. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Uh, The MJ reveal was one of the (laughs) biggest fucking eye roll moments of my life. Like, and this has nothing to do with Zendaya or the fact that she's a person of color. If you're going to make MJ a black girl, that's totally fine. I'm on board with that. But the fact that this is not Mary Jane Watson, that's what pisses me off. And I'll explain myself here (laughs) because it's not that, again, it's not that she's a, a girl of color. It has nothing to do with the actress they chose. I like, I like Zendaya. She's great. Um, the problem is that they completely, they completely overhauled the character, like from the ground up, and then, and then just slapped MJ on her. And it's not even Mary Jane. It's what was her name? Michelle Johnson. Is, is that right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Michelle Johnson. That's the thing that pisses me off because that's to me that is the epitome of of um, what's the word. Oh, fuck, I don't even remember what it's called. Uh, fan service. That's what it is. That's the epitome of fan service, where they have this totally brand new character, and and then it's like, oh, guess what? It's supposed to be the character you all wanted it to be. But then it's like, but it's not. Like, you call her MJ. That's fine, I guess. But she's not Mary Jane. She's not Mary Jane Watson. And then people are like, oh, but she has the same backstory. And I'm like... Does she, though? Does she really? I mean, she comes from a broken home. Yeah, that's Mary Jane, but that's about all they have in common. I mean, besides their initials. Um, But yeah, no, I I just... ah, Stuff like that bothers me, and the fact that certain people overlook that in this movie is like, oh my god, like really? It just comes across as hypocritical. Again, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, and I I do admit that it's a very well-made movie, but just the fan in me is like, you know, like I said, it's just too far removed from what I associate with the character for me to be like, oh, this was a great movie. It's a good movie. It is. And I think you should watch it. It's worth a watch. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where I feel. That's what I feel. That's where I'm at. And I'm just going to stop right there. <laughs> and Clifford, you well, go ahead and... Yeah, and one of the things I definitely enjoyed too was, you know, Jennifer Connelly is in the movie. If you guys don't know, mm-hmm. she is actually the she's actually the program that's running it in Spider Man suit when Iron Man uh well, Tony Sarks gives it over to Peter Parker. So that's definitely a huge huge plus, you know, and then you know, I've heard a lot of people make references right. about that's how great, that's a great Easter egg in and of itself. And I'm sure you were about to explain it, so go ahead. Yeah, so um some of you guys who know Vision, is it his name Paul Paul Bettany? Paul Bettany, yeah, Paul Bettany 
who is the voice of Jarvis, is now Vision, and then Jennifer Connelly, who is married to him, is also now the voice of Spider-Man 2. So it's kind of a cool, like, mix in there with the Easter eggs. I definitely love the fact that they include husband and wife in there, so it was cool to watch. Yeah, that was very cool when I found that out. I was like, oh, that's dope. I like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was another thing I liked about it, so yeah. Yeah, it was so cool, too, like, just watching, like, I don't know, it's just the idea of, like, Spider-Man getting vamped, getting a new story. You know, I love the – so I know, like, it was something, like, Deadpool kind of did, too, where with the eyes in the mask, too. But I really like the idea that Spider-Man's eyes were able to kind of reflect, you know, zoom in, zoom out with the, with, oh, yeah, the, yeah. with their eyes. Totally. I thought that was kind of cool. I, I think and you, you kind of touched on it. You know, the movie visually looked really good. It was made very well. You know, Marvel is – Marvel is not letting people down in the sense that they're making great movies. Maybe it's just like the stories are being changed and additional things are being added on, which is not really that cool. But some of the stuff, is, it can be better, and it's done well. But overall, man, I just thought that Spider-Man, to me, wasn't it, – it might make my top ten. Well, Spider-Man Homecoming will make, make my top ten of probably all-time favorite films. It just it won't crack that top five. So it's unfortunate right, because right, yeah. I had high – I think we all had high expectations, and I think they met most of our expectations, but a few of the potholes and, you know, plot holes inside the pots that kind of fell through, we were all just kind of like, you know what, I can't overlook that. Like, that's just something I can't overlook. I got, I loved yeah. Flash. I thought Flash did a great job being, like, the, the mental bully in the film, but unfortunately, right. Flash ends up becoming, some of you guys who don't know this, becomes Agent Venom, and him being yeah. Agent Venom, he's a, he's a more of a stocky football type kind of player and I didn't get that sense from this Flash Thompson. I get the sense that he's kind of like I want to be the cool kid and that's just what I'm going to do whereas like even the Amazing Spider-Man and even in Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire like those Flash Thompsons were very I'm in your face I'm a bully that's who I'm going to be kind of attitude and I like those kind of guys like those were those are those are how I imagine and even if they wanted to let's say you overhaul Flash and let's say you made Flash, like, just a bigger force, right? A bigger kid just, like, overshadows other teams. Then then at that case, I could be like, all right, I'll let that slide because I don't care if Flash is black, white, or tan. I just want Flash to be a physical presence as well as a mental one because that's who he was. He was, bully, he was the bully to Peter Parker. Like, you cannot overlook that. And that's something that needs to be said and continue to be said. Uh, another thing I did like in the movie, uh, Childish Gambino. Let's be real, Danny oh, Glover yeah. Jr. or you know, Donald Glover Jr. And even yeah, his man. Easter egg yeah, that he dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, there's an Easter egg for Miles Morales in that in that movie, and that's pretty dope too. Yeah, so it's kind of cool because now you're trying to figure out like, is Miles Morales going to be in this movie? Is he going to be that guy? Like, what's going on? Like, how's this going to fit in with Peter Parker? Is this going to fit in with Peter Parker? Like, it's it's kind of cool to see all the aspects because in the end, like, how does Miles get his powers anyway? Like, I, I'm not too familiar with, like, the Miles Morales side well, if, of Spider-Man. If I'm Spider not mistaken, because, um, yeah, even that's a little fuzzy for me. If, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's supposed to be the same spider that bit Peter. It, it somehow, I don't remember how, it finds its way onto Miles and bites him. Uh, but because him and Peter obviously have different genetic codes, it it gives him similar powers, but it also gives him powers that Peter doesn't have. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah, I believe that's the story. I believe that's what happened. It's supposed to be the same spider that bit Peter. Although, you know, realistically, how would that spider even still be alive? But whatever, whatever. Uh, but yeah, 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 no, no. Wait, um, you know what else? Like, like you said, uh, I just want to say this real quick because I don't want to get too far away from it. Like, yeah, Donald Glover, uh, I forget just how how um, amazing the cast in this movie is. Because, uh, yeah, Donald Glover is like, you put that guy in anything and I'm there. Like, that dude, he's super talented. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't even know how I could forget he was in the movie. He was great. Um, and then again, I do want to mention this real quick, just again, before we get too far away from it, because you were talking about Flash Thompson and, and you briefly mentioned um, the amazing Spider-Man. I really liked that version of Flash because he, you know, for the most part in that movie, he is kind of the the big jock bully. But then there's that moment after, spoiler alert, uh, duh, Uncle Ben dies. Uh, you know, and and he he tries to talk to Peter about it. You know, and he Peter throws him up against the locker, and he's like, "It feels better, doesn't it?" You know, it's like in that one moment they kind of turn this this douchey character into kind of a sympathetic guy. Like he gets what Peter's going through, and he just wanted to talk to him. You know, like I feel like that's kind of one of those unexpected things that you can do with the character, and it works. But you know, unfortunately, the what they did with him in this movie, I just wasn't wasn't on board with. I mean, I get it, but I'm not not a fan of it. But yeah, yeah and I, overall, I, man, I just wanted to touch on that. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. And like you said, overall, this movie was like really great. There was like great parts to it. You know, we had we had a um, you know, I love the the little Captain America clips in there. That was like one oh, of them was yeah, talking yeah. about being patient. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that was great! <laughs> the little P- PSAs, those are so cool. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I felt like overall, like the movie was done very well. And I, you know, I like the fact that in the end, you know, spoiler alert for those who doesn't know, Peter decides that he doesn't want to join up with the Avengers and he wants to be his own superhero, like solving small time crime. And eventually, big, big, big find out, Aunt May finds out that Peter Parker is actually Spider Man. Yeah, that. I actually did like, <laughs> which is odd, right? Because uh, I'm talking about like, oh, it's not the way I, I remember it. But I, I liked that because, um, yeah, it always seemed weird that Aunt May didn't know Peter was Spider-Man. Like, you'd think she would have figured that out. Although I think it was always implied that maybe she knew and she just didn't say anything. But, yeah, I wanted to kind of get that out of the way. Yeah, well, what made it funny, though, was that, like, you, every other movie, it was like, everybody just seemed like they were so totally lost in the fact that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, and to see her in the movie, now you kind of know that she's going to have a bigger role, and, like, if they do a Spider-Man 2, like, there's going to be another, just, I mean, she obviously knows, there's no hiding it now, but right. it's just, I know, it's cool to see, it's kind of cool that she's going to have a bigger suit. impact. Like, there's no way, there's no way she doesn't know, she saw him in the suit. Uh, and her yeah, reaction was great. Her reaction was great. <laughs> you know, um, something else I did like about this movie, right, was mm-hmm. two things that they didn't they didn't do. They didn't talk about how he got his powers, and they implied about Uncle Ben. They never even said anything about Uncle Ben. Like yeah. it's like you guys already know the story. You guys seen the story twice already. You guys know the story. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. If you watch Disney XD, you already know the story. You know yeah. that's literally how I felt. Like Marvel kept saying it was like you know the story. 
And if you don't, right. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I appreciated that because that was also one of my main concerns when I found out, you know, uh, Marvel had gotten permission to use the character and they were going to, you know, reboot it again. I was like, oh, man, we're going to have to sit through Uncle Ben dying again. Like, ugh. But thankfully they didn't do that. Like they had the, the good sense to not make us sit through that again. Um, but, uh, okay, so I, and I forgot this earlier. Like one of the other things that kind of bugged me about it was uh, Peter wasn't a photographer. And I mean, I get that this is young Peter. This is still high school Peter. But I mean, you know, they didn't even try to like put that in there, which felt weird to me. Well, you know what I think how it goes back, though, is that, like, they're going to eventually they'll stick him in uh, the daily and then he'll start taking those pictures of Spider-Man because he knows that he can make a lot of money off of it. So I think Mm -hmm. eventually you'll see that. I just think right now, like, they just want to focus on, like, high school Peter and let's see what they do, like, when when Spider-Man 2 comes out. Yeah, I I get that. I get that eventually they'll probably do that, but it, it did feel a bit odd. Like, you didn't even see him, like, maybe mess around with a, a camera or, like, accident. Like, maybe snap a photo on a, on a you know. I don't know. It just felt weird. Like, they didn't even they didn't even reference it at all. But, you know, that's just me. That's just me. Well, well, like, on Disney XD, you know, on Disney XD's version of Spider-Man, he actually, um, when he gets hired, that's how he becomes a photographer. Like, that's when he becomes a photographer. So I kind of feel like this version of Spider-Man Homecoming almost was like a prequel to the Spider-Man now that we see on Spider-Man XD that was in S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's kind of cool. I mean, I just kind of want to reference that, like the way those two kind of parallel to each other because this definitely oh, felt yeah. like a big, like a prequel movie and then you felt like, all right, cool. Well, he knows that the Avengers are there. He knows how to be a part of the Avengers. And oddly enough, Ant-Man being in this movie, uh, even be a reference in this movie because Ant-Man kind of plays a, a, a little role in Disney X, the cartoon version on Disney XD. So to kind of see everything kind of parallel around each other, you can make kind of these assumptions because, you know, eventually, you know, Iron Fist joins up his team, White Tiger, you know, Power Man, all those guys are eventually joining up on his team. But obviously with uh, the Xfinity, well, uh, the Netflix Netflix series, these guys are a lot older than obviously Tom Holland. But it's it was cool to see. I thought it was great references in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you're, you're right, actually. It did feel... Um, yeah, it did feel like it could have been in the same universe as that, the series. So, yeah, and I, I like that series. I know some people don't like it for whatever reason, but, uh, no, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I think a lot of people just had problems with, uh, was it Drake, Drake Bell playing? Drake Bell. Uh, yeah, I think oh, they yeah. just had problems with him playing because he had just came off, like, Nickelodeon, and then he went to, he went to Disney well, and did the voice and, of Spider-Man. And, and people also, weren't liking it. Um, People seem to be real stingy about like animated stuff like that. Like, like when you grow up with one version and then a new version comes out, people nowadays seem to be like, "Oh, well, that's not what I grew up with, so I don't like it." Because I hear a lot of people yeah. they bash this show, and then they're like, "Oh, but Spectacular Spider-Man was so much better." And like, don't get me wrong, I loved Spectacular Spider-Man. That was a great show. But I also enjoy this one as well. Like, I don't get why they both can't be good. Like you know what I mean? Like you know I feel like people people are like that with um, anything DC animated as well. Everybody's like, "Well, it's not as good as Batman the Animated Series," and I'm like, "Well, when you're when you're judging it like that, of course nothing's going to be 
better. I mean, like, just enjoy it, man. It doesn't have to be the same. And you know it's but, funny because like there was a there was a YouTube video out and we're gonna kind of we're gonna sidetrack because eventually we're just we're gonna stop with this topic, but um, there was a video out and they were talking about the best and worst Spider-Mans of all time, right? And they're talking about in the animated series. And interesting enough, one of the Spider-Mans they picked as the worst was actually the one that was on MTV where Neil Patrick Harris was the voice of Spider-Man. And I actually thought I forgot that he was uh, Spider-Man, <laughs> but he played yeah, a great was, Peter Parker. Yeah. He did a great Spider-Man too. Yeah, he was good because I do remember that series. We used to watch it. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I forgot that was him. Holy shit! Yeah, so and it was funny to see like the people were talking about it, and you know they're like, well, in comparison to the Amazing Spider-Man cartoon series, like Neil Patrick Harris does his best to be Spider-Man, but he's not really Spider-Man. I was like, really? Because I remember him being a good Spider-Man, and I that's me being objective, like. Like, oh yeah, I remember the Amazing Spider-Man, and I thought that Amazing, I thought that Spider-Man was great, but. Yeah, Moving yeah. on, like, yeah, man, we have other series that are out there that I thought were great series, you know, and seeing seeing the people who do the voices. Like, Drake Bell does a great job as Peter Parker and Spider-Man, and then, you know, he's got a great great supporting cast behind him. Like, if you go through and look at some of the people who are in the show, like, Elijah Dushka is playing She-Hulk. You have um, Seth Green playing A-Bomb and then playing other random characters in the show. Uh, oh... Oh, dude, we just talked about him um, last week, or not last week, but the week before. Um, Posada, right? Posada playing the role of uh, Tony Starks. Like, he's got great... Yeah, Adrian. He's playing playing Tony Stark. We have all these great people who are out there playing these roles and, like, just being a support. That's all they're doing. And, you know, it's great to see Drake move on and even like Deadpool he's in one episode but that's Wolf Freddy you know if anybody doesn't know who that is that's Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World like and he does a perfect job like Deadpool people don't realize uh Will Friedle uh he he has a great voice acting career he was Terry McGinnis on Batman Beyond he's the voice of Deadpool in the the Spider-Man series and now he's uh Star-Lord on the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series he is Star-Lord he is, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But yeah, well, they get to play super talented. Cool. It is cool, yeah. I love that. But yeah, no. And it's um, just, it's, talking about uh, Drake it's Bell, I feel like people, people like, I don't know why people turned on him so harsh. Like, I feel like he, he he's probably one of my favorite uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Mans. Uh, of all time, and I know people are going to give me shit for saying that, but I don't care. That's my opinion. You know what? I think I, it might have been. It might have been because that? there was a TV show that came out. It was a reality show called Splash. It was all about like a diving competition, and like Drake Bell was on the show, and he legitimately was trying to learn how to dive, and he made some pretty crude comments at people like during the show, like just not really cool, like just being very like jerkish. And like one dude, I forgot, I forgot the guy who ended up winning the whole show. Um, his wife died in a in a snowboarding accident. She hit her head on the the pipe on the half pipe, and she ended up like dying from like a head wound. And like like this dude was just going out there just showing off, just kind of. He was the only person diving off like the high dive and like doing these crazy flips and stuff. And he would land feet first in the water. He wasn't diving in. Yeah, I get it. And Drake was legitimately legitimately trying to do these dives. And, like, 
he's like, well, at least I try to go in head first. And, like, he would make these snarky comments. And people didn't like that about him. You know, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, you were this nice guy. And now here you are kind of being a jerk. Like, we don't know who to take you. So maybe when that happened, he took on the role of Peter Parker. People were just like, you know what? I don't really like him in that show. I didn't like him in his other show because of his attitude. And that's probably why I didn't like him as Spider-Man. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, see, I didn't know any about, about any of that stuff. Like, yeah, maybe. That might be it. You know, it, it takes only one one thing like that to turn people against you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, like, you know, I, I don't, maybe you don't like the guy personally, but that doesn't mean, you know, like I said, his performance was, that doesn't mean his performance was bad. Um, exactly. You know, I, I constantly talk about, <laughs> see, we're getting into some weird territory right now, but I always talk about uh, Tom Cruise. That guy's a fucking psychopath in real life, but he makes entertaining movies, so I keep watching him. So I keep watching them too. <laughs> Yo, so, so you know, that, we have to. That we sorry, have to, not that not, we could be on this topic all day, man. But the one thing I do want to get into because we talked about it earlier today, Ready Player One. You had talked about reading the book. I know that I want to read the book. You're already reading the book. Tell me about the movie though, or tell me about the book though. Dude, okay, so I started reading the book last night, uh, and um, I haven't gotten too far into it, but what I've read so far already gives me a much greater understanding of just what was going on in the trailer. Like, you know, the last thing you see in the trailer is, like, this key being put into a lock, and uh, after having started the book, I'm like, oh, I get it now, that's the, that's the, the key, I get it. And, like, even just some of the weird visuals that are in the trailer make a lot more sense to me now. Like, there's a shot of, um, the character's name is Wade. <laughs> uh, Wade being played by uh, Ty Sheridan. You see him sliding down the stacks, and uh, you see one of the people, like, a heavier set woman, and she's got, like, the VR headset on, and she's pole dancing. Like, that to me makes sense now. It's like, oh, I get it, because that's her job in the Oasis. And that makes sense. I get it now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you start reading the book, you don't even have to get too far into it, and it already explains so much about what you saw in the trailer for the movie. Like, I get it. I'm hooked. I'm invested. I have to finish this book. Like, I'm so into this world right now, man. Like, and you, you got to read this book, Cliff, because I know you're just like me. You're like a pop culture junkie. You're going to love all the weird, like, references and and all the cool shit like i hope i hope all of this stuff makes it into the movie because there's um i don't know how much you know about the plot but it has to do with the creator of the game he he passes away and he leaves behind like a message and it's it's this crazy like uh it's kind of he it's almost like uh willy wonka in the chocolate factory where you know, the eccentric genius is looking for an heir to take over. So he leaves, the, he, he already passes away, and he leaves behind this message for everybody who plays his games or whatever. And he's like, look, I have no heirs, uh, and uh, so I have no one to leave my, my fortune to. So whoever can find this incredibly difficult uh, Easter egg to find hidden in my greatest video game, whoever finds it is going to be the recipient of all my treasures, all my fortune." And that's what the whole thing is about. People start searching for this Easter egg in his game. Um, but the thing is, in that video message he leaves behind, as you're reading it, there are little, like, I forget what they're called, addendums, or, like, there's, like, asterisks everywhere. 
And so you have to read like the reference points afterwards that help explain certain things. Like uh, here, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up because this is, it's great. Like you're going to hear this and you're going to be like, oh yeah, I hope that's in the movie too. Because um, the video message is all made like through uh, like, it's kind of like a holodeck or whatever. So you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're supposed to be watching this bizarre like, uh, like 3D, like uh, CGI created uh, farewell message from the creator of this game. But the way he created it is it's loaded with like uh, pop culture references from the 1980s. All right, here it is. I'm just going to read to you like the explanations and like the the reference points for the video. Okay, so here's one of them. <clears throat> Careful analysis of this scene reveals that all of the teenagers behind Halliday are actually extras from various John Hughes teen films who have been digitally cut and pasted into the video. And then here's another. His surroundings are actually from a scene in the 1989 film Heathers. Halliday appears to have digitally recreated the funeral parlor set and then inserted himself into it. High-resolution <laughs> scrutiny reveals that both quarters were minted in 1984. The mourners are actually all actors and extras from the same funeral scene in Heather's. Winona Ryder and Christian Slater are clearly visible in the audience sitting next, sitting near the back. <laughs> uh, nice. Analysis reveals dozens of curious items hidden among the mounds of treasure, most notably several early home computers, an Apple IIE, a Commodore 64, an Atari 800XL, and a TRS-80 color computer too. Dozens of video game controllers for a variety of game systems and hundreds of hundreds of polyhedral dice like those used in old tabletop role-playing games. A freeze frame of this scene appears nearly identical to a painting by Jeff Easley that appeared on the cover of the Dungeon Master's Guide, a Dungeons and the Dragons rule book published in 1983. So yeah, like nice. there's there's stuff like that throughout the entire book. And it makes me like so excited to see the movie. Because I'm like, I hope all of that's in there. Because you already see from the trailer, like, they've got references to the 80s and 80s pop culture stuff. Like like I said, Freddy Krueger is in there. The the DeLorean from Back to the Future is in there. Like, like I said, just reading how much of this book that I've already read, I'm, like, super, super excited. I'm so hyped. <laughs> like, oh, you got to read it, Cliff. I cannot recommend it anymore. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to go check it out. It definitely sounds like something that's going to catch my attention, man. It's definitely um, definitely cool. And, you know, not that, that since we're talking about Ready Player One, um, mm-hmm. one of the things that I kind of want to jump over to, man, really quick, is um, I want to talk about it. <laughs> that's right. So we'll talk about another 80s, 80s reference, 80s, 90s, late 80s, early uh, 90s. I think it was, it's either late 70s or early 80s. I'm not sure right now, but... Yeah, it totally ties into nostalgia and uh, how everything old is new again. So, uh, yeah, yeah, right. go ahead, so, man. We got, this, we got this awesome trailer that drops, a little extended trailer of It. Um, and I just got to be honest, man, knowing everything that I knew about the movie when I was a kid and watching it and freaking out and learning to, learning to hate clowns because of it, uh, this movie <laughs> makes me want to go back and hate clowns all over again. All over again. Uh, <laughs> all over again. I just, I, I watch it and I'm like, man, I really just want to assault this clown because he's, <laughs> you know, to me, I think, and I think what it is, is watching this movie now, looking at uh, Pennywise, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I see that you're meant to be creepy, but I kind of feel like 
the original Pennywise, it's it's a more it's a more um, less is more kind of thing, which yeah, doesn't yeah, really make real, sense. It's, it's kind of it's simplistic. Yeah. Yeah, you know, simple simple makeup would just make it more creepy. Where like in this one, you know, we have the lines drawn in the face going upwards, and you know, yeah, we know that he's already a creepy clown. It's it's kind of like, hey man, like I get it, I get what you're trying to do with it. You're trying to make it a little bit more like horrific, but if you made it more relatable in in, in the sense of what clown makeup is going to look like, it would definitely give you a little bit more of a fear factor to it. But not to say that this movie isn't going to freak me out. Even the scene where um you know they because where they made up for some of the stuff that went down, you know, when the little brother is like grabbing for the sailboat. And then he's, next you know, you see him in the basement of the house, and he was like, you know, if you come join me, you'll float too. You'll float mm. too. You'll float too. And I'm like, like oh, my God, man. These, I, it's just something because, like, even my wife says that um, little kids, like, freak her out because sometimes, like, and it happens with my daughter all the time, right? I'll be sleeping, I'll wake up, and my daughter's just staring me in the face, and she's like, can I have a glass of water? I'm like, oh, my God. You have no idea what's just about to happen. And I feel that same way when I watch this trailer because I see a little kid. I'm like, yo, man, I really just, I want to punt this kid because, like, he's freaking me out. <laughs> oh, my God. I think, yeah, oh, you can't have a drink of water. Just go back to bed. You know I don't want to hang out with you because I don't want to float. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> to me, it's, it's, it's so creepy, but it's so cool. And I'm just curious to see, like, how well they do this movie and how much justification it gets done. Because obviously we know as the kids got older, like then they went had to go back and fight pennies wise again. And I just kind of want to see how the tie in goes back and forth. So there's a lot of cool things just like inside the trailer already that's going on that I'm excited for to even see more. Like, uh, you know, I'm curious about the shower scene. You know what I mean? Like remember how we had the old one where the Clay yeah. Thompson or where the clay stop animation, it peeled back, he popped out the ground. I want to see how that looks again. I want to see if that's something that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's always kind of the interesting thing about, like, when they they decide to remake, um, you know, something something like that. Like, um, real quick, I want to touch up, because, you know, we're talking about remaking and how the technology we have now clearly trumps what they had back then, but that doesn't always guarantee a quality product nowadays. Like that's how I felt about uh, the nightmare on Elm street remake where clearly the special effects were better, but the movie itself was eh, not very good, but like specifically, you know, there's that scene where uh, the iconic scene where Freddie kind of like, it looks like he's going to come through the wall or whatever. And it's one of the more iconic shots in the movie. And like in the in the remake, you know, it's like it's a CGI effect, and I guess that they can do more with that nowadays. But it's like I don't know, like like we were saying about uh, Pennywise's makeup, you know, I feel like uh, less is more, you know, keep yep. it simple. And uh, like you were saying about the makeup, I want to get back on that. Um, I agree with what you're saying, you know, because clowns are already kind of <laughs> kind of scary. You don't have to do a whole lot to make them scarier. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I agree with, I agree with everything that you said and I'm totally on board with everything you're saying right now. Like, sure. Like there's a chance that, uh, what they do now with, uh, the technology we have available to us, that it'll probably be, uh, visually more horrific. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see what they do with it as well. 
You know, like, and it's funny because we're talking about remakes and stuff like that. And it's funny because I'm actually, so I'm a huge fan of, um, I'm a huge fan of Freddy, uh, of Robert England as Freddy Krueger. Like, he'll always be mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger to me. Doesn't really mm-hmm. matter to me. But I really thought, and, and what I really liked about the new remake, right, and I, I, it was one of those things, was Freddy was a lot darker. And I get it, right? Like, mm-hmm. Freddy was always to be kind of like that. I don't know, the way Robert England pers- put him out there, he was kind of like the fun comedy kind of person. If if I was to think about it, it was more like Jack Nicholson Joker, right? Well, to here's, what? Here's the thing. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I actually had a conversation about this with a friend uh, last year sometime. We were talking about Freddy Krueger and Robert England and how... Excuse me. How the character kind of became the version of the character we all know and love today. But it's interesting if you look back at the original Nightmare on Elm Street and Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge. Freddy isn't actually the comedic character that we all know. If you go back and watch the original Nightmare on Elm Street and Nightmare on Elm Street Two. He's actually a very brutal, sadistic killer, especially in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. That's probably the most brutal Freddy we ever saw. And then we never saw him again after that. Because Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors, that's when he sort of became the the kind of funny, comedic uh, uh, boogeyman that we all know and love today. And I feel like in when, when they did the remake, they were trying to go back to that. And I get that. I appreciate that. But, you know... I feel like a lot of people don't really realize that or understand it like that. No, that's how Freddy was originally. But then, you know, later on, they kind of took him in a different direction. And there's nothing wrong right. with that. And I think, like I think I said, for me, that's too, the version of the character we all know and love. And, 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 yeah, and what I think of it, too, and, that's, and why I bring it up, right, is because I'm a huge, and I'm a huge slew with Freddy Krueger. I love everything about Freddy. And you're right, like, the first two movies, like, he was really kind of a darker darker entity, right? But mm-hmm. I think Haley took him to another level of being, like, dark. And that's why I kind oh, of made yeah, the reference sure. of, like, Jack Nicholson's dark. Like, Jack Nicholson had, like, was, like, dark as Joker, but he still had the kind of, like, a playful side to him where I kind of feel like, it was kind of the same thing here where Robert England was like still a, he was still Freddy Krueger, he was still dark, but he was still kind of like, you're like, mm, there's a little bit of light in this guy. Where like Haley and Heath, like you never saw any kind of light at all with like mm-hmm. Joker and you never saw any light with Freddy Krueger. Like it was just like they were dark, they were deep. In fact, there's that scene where he, um, he cut old boy's throat and he was just like, you know, the brain's still active seven minutes later oh, after yeah, yeah. death. We have got six minutes and 30 seconds left. And in the kid's mind, he is screaming I know, for help. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and in the real world, he's there bleeding out. Like, he's dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to me, I'm like, that. Like that, those are the things that happen. Like, the one guy's like, what, what do you want? I'll do anything. He's like, can you bring back the dead? No. He's like, could you turn back the hands of time? No, he's like, I didn't fucking think so. And like, to me, I'm like, holy cow, like Freddy Krueger, literally, one, he dropped an F-bomb, and two, he's like, I'm here to just hurt you. And that's kind of where I feel like Heath was, right? Heath was just like, 
like, well, let's play a game. You know what I mean? And he's like, and I'm just going to kill you anyway. It doesn't matter, but that's what we're going to do. And it's like, <laughs> you're just like watching this sick version of Freddy. And I kind of hope that that's what happens with Pennywise is that if Pennywise is going to get like this deeper, darker looking kind of makeup, at least make him so far from what Pennywise was on the other side that you have a contrast in Pennywise. Like people are going to be like, oh, he was too dark. Nope. That's how Pennywise was really supposed to be. The other side of it, that's Home Alone 2 Pennywise. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to say, like, I, I feel like we have to bring that up for people who don't know. Uh, Pennywise, uh, the original anyways, that's Tim Curry, uh, who, like, like Clifford said, you might recognize him from Home Alone 2. Uh, depending on uh, what your tastes are, you may recognize him from uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, he was also, let's talk about, let's talk about Tim Curry for a second here, because he also played, uh, what was he, what was his name? The Prince of Darkness in Legend. And that's a horrifying performance in that movie. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, no, you're like, right. you know, the, the makeup and like the production design that still scares the shit out of me, <laughs> like, as an adult. I tried to watch that movie again uh, a couple months ago, and his first scene, when you first see him, I was just like, nah, nope, turned it off. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Nope, nope, I'm done. It's so funny, so, too, because he's played in so many movies, and just looking over, like, his voice acting career and things, like, he's, I mean, right, he's yeah. really well-known, you know, at, Oh, man, I didn't know about this one, though. Mucha Lucha, man. He was El Malthusion. <laughs> was he really? Oh, my yeah. God. I didn't even know that. Holy yeah. shit. That just shows Nigel me, Thornberry. Man. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of movies that he's played in. Nigel Thornberry. Oh, my God. I totally um, forgot. But, yeah, I mean, just, like, looking through and thinking about it, man, that's what I'm saying. Like, we need to have a much deeper, darker Pennywise that... Even Tim Curry would have to look back and be like, you know what? I never thought about playing him that dark before, and I don't want to because that guy freaks me out. That's the kind of scary that we're going to need because essentially we're going to have a contrast in makeup. Let's have a contrast in attitude. And I'm, that's why I'm curious to see this movie. I'm going in there open-minded because the first movie, I really just couldn't. I couldn't do it the first time when I watched uh, it. Mm-hmm. I had to actually power through it because it freaked me out that much. And now seeing that it could be... You know, we have the remake coming. I have to be ready for whatever's going to be thrown at me with that one. So I'm, I think that's what I'm excited about, too, is, is that idea, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. Like, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I feel like, you know, if you're going to do, if you're going to remake something like that and you're going to, uh, if you're going to update the look of the character, then you definitely need to have the 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 portrayal and the performance match something like that or you know be even more so yeah 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 i agree i agree like uh i hope it's i hope it's unsettling and i hope it's it's um disturbing like you know what i mean cuz like there's a lot of stigma attached to that character as is so you know i'm hoping that this new this new iteration doesn't uh doesn't detract from that. I hope it adds to it. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, 
you know, Dr. Antoine Servais. You know, he was in, sorry, Tim Curry was in Gargoyles. Like, he's been playing in all my favorite stuff. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm looking at his filmography, too, and I'm like, man, this dude was, like, in everything. He was in Samurai Jack. Holy crap. He was in, he was in, uh, I just kind of put that out there, too. He was uh, Lord, was it Lord Drake Connus from uh, the Mighty Ducks? Oh, like, that's right. Oh, my God. Like, he played in everything. He's legit, he like, the man himself. Too. I know, right? Like, this dude, he's in everything. Everything we grew up watching. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, you, I mean, that's uh, kind of stuff. That, yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of stuff that I want to get into, man. I just wanted to talk about, like, how awesome, like, these three things were that we wanted to get on, right? So, Spider-Man, obviously, we wanted to talk about uh, it and Ready Player One because these are the three big things that we're excited about, right? So, Spider-Man, obviously, because of, we know that we have other movies that are getting ready to come out. But Spider-Man, definitely for Infinity War, we definitely had, um, you know, Ready Player One. And I know how excited you are for that movie as well as I am because of all the pop culture that's going to be coming out of the 80s for it. And then uh, It, you know what I mean? So, there's, I mean, there's future stuff that's coming out I really love talking about, but these were the three big ones I wanted to hit on. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, I, I, you know, like you said, I wanted to talk about uh, Ready Player One because, um, you know, I had no knowledge of what, what that was. I knew it was a book. But I didn't know anything about it. So when I saw that trailer from Comic-Con, you know, you and I both kind of had the same reaction to it where we were just like, what is this? I need more of this in my life. So, you know, I, I was just like, well, I have to start reading this book then because I, I need to know what I'm in for. Not necessarily that, you know, it's not even a thing where I need to know what's going to happen before I see the movie. It's just I need to know what this world is. I need to know if this is something I should get excited for. And uh, trust me, it is. <laughs> if you're anything like me, if you enjoy, if you enjoy like uh, pop culture, geek and nerd culture, technology, uh, specifically 80s pop culture, this is totally something for you. So, yeah, I ca- again, I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't read the book, please read it. It's great. It'll make you even more excited for the movie. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I I just keep saying it over and over again, but yeah, just read the book. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely something I'm gonna have to do, man. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I hope you do, so then we can talk about it more in depth. <laughs> so yeah, and you know what, you could, uh, I actually, I don't know, I was gonna say you could probably read it with the kid, but uh, thinking about it now, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, it might be a little too might be a bit too uh, intense. How old is your daughter? She's six, man, so it's definitely probably going to be a little little yeah. out there for her, only because she doesn't know that world yet. Well, uh, I say that because um, there's, a, there's a part in there where, um, uh, spoiler alert, uh, anybody who's interested in reading the book, and this might be in the movie, I don't know, um, there's a part where he starts talking about, uh, the, the lead character, Wade, he starts talking about, like, the realization where that God in heaven is all bullshit and it's just a fairy tale that people made up, uh, which is kind of endearing to me, which is kind of why I connected with the character. But again, I can see how that might be inappropriate or a little too intense for younger, younger people. But yeah. Yeah. Just, just a heads up. So yeah. um, Yeah. So I, I feel like you and I touched on everything we wanted to, 
this is probably going to be a shorter episode than what people are used to hearing from us. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, I don't really have anything else to add. Uh, Cliff, you got any final thoughts? No, man, uh, just like normal when I, you know, we end our broadcast, you know, I definitely want to give our shout outs and, our, and bring out, uh, you know, awareness to suicide with our military uh, members as well as just people in general. But uh, just remember that there's somebody out there who's always caring for you. And, you know, I definitely tell people all the time that, you know, I'm contactable. You guys can reach me everywhere. It doesn't really matter. Uh, if you look me up on Insta- Instagram or even Twitter, it's CM underscore Miller 85. Over on Snapchat, it's Ice and Devane, so I-C-E-N-D-A-V-E-I-N-S. And I'm available, and, I, and I'm willing to hear you guys out and just, just reach to me before you make that decision. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, to reiterate what we, we said on the our last episode, yeah, if you, you know, Clifford and I, we understand uh, suicide, uh, not suicide, uh, depression and uh, anxiety and, and, and all that stuff. We understand. So if you ever feel like you need to talk to anybody, don't be afraid to reach out to either of us. Uh, yeah, you can get a hold of either of us on social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Tron Pilgrim, Instagram at Tron Pilgrim 87. I believe that's also my Snapchat, but yeah, I don't really, I don't really use Snapchat. Cliff knows that. I'm still learning it. Okay, I'm still learning it. <laughs> uh, eventually, I'll start using it more, but I'm still figuring it out. Uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, so if, anybody out there who needs any kind of help or support, don't be afraid to get a hold of either of us. Cliff, uh, go ahead and plug your other podcast. Yeah, so you guys can catch me at Get the KO. So if you guys are right here on anchor.fm forward slash Get the KO is where you guys can find me or on the Google Play and iTunes now. Um, all of our episodes are up to date. And then even my blog is just Get the KO. So if you go getthekao.blogspot.com, you'll be able to find it there as well. All right. Yep, that's where you can find us. That's where you can find Cliff. Catch him on his, uh, catch him on his other podcasts. Check out his blog. And uh, I believe that will be it for us this week. Uh, don't be, don't forget to tune in next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. We'll see you then nerds.